we had a lot of talent. Um, I think that sometimes it gets misconstrued how good they are, just maybe based on the level. Hey, you know, this is Division Three football. I'm telling you, some of those guys would have contributed at Eastern Kentucky. I really, truly believe it. Welcome, everybody. Westcott Football Podcast. Bart Pasterna with you. Coach Loth remotely checking in today. And behind the glass, the pooch is here. Hey, uh, Coach Loth, we're going to be hooking up with Coach Mack, a man who will find out what his connection with Peru is, former (laughs) assistant Westcott coach. Yeah, Coach McCormick, one of my favorite all-time people. He played for me at Otterbein. Help, help, help us coach here for our first four years and really helped us get the program turned around when I got here. Yeah, and uh, and still doing the coaching thing today. We are hey, pleased. Yeah, yeah. yeah, back in Ohio, Ohio Dominican. I think they started off, uh, they're 2-0 right now, so I think he's doing a great job out there. All right, and uh, speaking of having a couple of games under their belt, the Wolves bounce back from that, that opening day loss with a nice road win against a, another team where you were going to have to pretty much roll the dice on what they were going to throw at you. Albright uh, putting up 28 first-half points and a little hold-on football, but good, good stuff from the Wolves last week, Coach. Yeah, you know, our guys really responded in the first half. Came out, like you said, 28 nothing. I really jumped on them. Played really good defense, really good offense in the first half. And what we didn't do is, uh, you know, we didn't I, didn't. I didn't think we played a complete game. Like, we could have put them away early in the third quarter and played a lot of guys, but... But uh, we drove the football in the second half, didn't score. And uh, defensively, we gave up a couple drives and kind of kept them in the game. It was never more, never less than a two-score game, but it's uh, we definitely did not finish that game we wanted the way we wanted to finish it. Well, there's always going to be things you're unhappy with, but let's concentrate on the, the happy stuff. Uh, in effect, four different Wolves end up getting TDs. Yeah, you know, we, we – Offensively, uh, we did a great job of throwing the football, running the football in the first half, especially, and uh, especially not knowing exactly what they're going to do defensively. We had no idea. We didn't know if they're going to be odd or even. Didn't know if they're going to be cover four, cover three. A lot of pressure, no pressure. So really, kind of just ran our base offense and adjusted as we went. And our guys really reacted to uh, what we saw from those guys. Well, you you got good stuff from the passing game. I I, I was almost worried checking things out. Uh, if if we're going to have to call them the the big play wolves with with some of these some of these runs some of these passes, yeah, no question. It was great. You know, we always talk about wanting to be able to run the football. It's kind of our first goal: stop the run. And then explosive plays is our second goal as an offense, and stop explosive plays defensively. So it was great to have these big plays in our offense this week. You were concerned after game one about special teams, especially the the punting game coverage and all that stuff how, how did things work out for you in your estimation you know our guys uh responded tremendously uh we blocked a punt we had great effort on kickoff kickoff return punt block you know we we only punted uh one time out of our punt formation didn't get a great punt but protected well and covered well and uh so I was extremely happy with the way our guys responded with effort and uh tenacity in the special teams game and something we got to continue to build on Health-wise, everybody doing okay for the most part? Yeah, yeah, knock on wood. You know, we, we came through the game fairly fairly healthy. Had a couple guys nicked up, and we're hoping to have those guys this week. And, and uh, definitely it was a happy with the outcome. Well, it's going to be conference play 
starting up soon enough. We're going to talk about that at the end of this podcast where Coach Mack will be joining us. So, folks, we want you to stick around. Coach Loth and I and the Pooch will return. This is the Westcon Football Podcast. Podcast is brought to you by Tactical Construction Services, LLC. It's a local business, veteran-owned and operated, that has been in business since 2005. Over 15 years of experience. They specialize in all your home improvement, exterior needs, and guarantee you a job well done. All the way from roofing and siding to windows, they're your guys. They strive to exceed the homeowner's expectations each and every time to get the job done the way you want it. They work in a timely fashion and always pay attention to detail, proudly serving Danbury and the surrounding areas. They're claim specialists. They provide free estimates. Call them today. The phone number, 203 460 2400. That's 203 460 2400. You can email them info at tacticalconstructionsvcs.com. That's info at tacticalconstructionsvcs.com. Or stop by their local offices across from Stoon Leonard's right on Federal Road. Welcome back, everybody. Westcon Football Podcast, Bart Pasterna, Coach Joe Loth, Pooch Behind the Glass, and the man who is now cooking, former assistant now cooking, with the Ohio Dominican Panthers of Wakanda. Oh, I'm sorry. Make that Columbus, Ohio. Tanner McCormick, how you doing, Tanner? I'm great. Feel great. Just got here uh, a week ago, you know, back home in Columbus, Ohio. So love it. In a crazy world of college football coaching, right? Yeah. It's been a wild ride. <laughs> you, you, have, wild. you have made some stops along the way, but one of them obviously was at WestCon. You were a college player under Coach Loth, Otterbein. Now you're, you're, you're getting to a position where you're going to coach with Coach Loth. Take us back to those days, the transition from being a player to working side by side with this man. Yeah, it's been interesting. You know, Coach Loff, man, I bet there's moments where he wanted to strangle me as a player. I was a brat. I get it. I was not the easiest one. You know, he always stuck me. Uh, I was the blocking receiver. So if you ever, you know, you don't brag to your friends about being the blocking receiver, right? You want to score and catch all the passes, but. We had a lot of success uh, at Otterbein, you know, went to the lone playoff uh, on, you know, part of that lone playoff team there. I do have a record at the school that I, Coach Loth might not even I did not know this. I did not know about this. I know. I have the most catches, yards, and touchdowns for a playoff game, you know. And, oh, I did not know that. Yeah. We so, threw for a bunch of yards that game, same. 400 yards that game, yeah. I think. Yeah, that was a good one. And then, you know, I was – surprised to hear the phone call when coach moved out there to Western Connecticut and he called me, you know, of all people. And it's not like we had a bad relationship. We had a great one, but he brought me out there to Western and started off and it was huge for my development. He actually, I coached offense for the first two years and then he moved me over to defense to, you know, learn a little bit more about the game. And I just kind of took all those things I learned from him and, 
here I am, you know, just kind of moving across the country and different small schools and different places. So it's kind of full circle now that I'm finally back in Columbus, Ohio, too. And, and a pretty solid program in terms of organization and uh, a, a conference that's been established for a long enough period of time as well. You've got some nice rivalries uh, that are going on, but <clears throat> you correct me if I'm wrong, your status, the, the status, I, I mean, of Ohio Dominican is Division Two, and you don't really have a lot of D2 neighbors in the immediate vicinity, so you're kind of like the D2 deal there. Correct, and that's one of the biggest draws for us here at Ohio Dominican. We're the only Division Two school in Columbus, you know, as you kind of navigate through Ohio, obviously the biggest, you know, competition in our conference being Finley, uh, Tiffin, Ashland, you know, they're out in those small parts of Ohio. Us being, we're the only Division Two school in Columbus. So great for us from a recruiting standpoint uh, and just being a brand. And what most people don't realize, like listening to this podcast, Columbus, Ohio, the fastest growing city in Ohio. It's beautiful. I mean, it's a great place to to go to school with Ohio State there and a bunch of colleges in town there. Uh, it's a, it's the place to live in Ohio right now. NHL hockey, minor league baseball. So, <laughs> I think there's another football, big football team in town too. Uh, Buckeyes yeah. or someone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you catch any flank though? Because you're a, a, a Finley boy, uh, born and raised. Do you catch any flank from the the yeah, Finley friends for being at Ohio Dominican? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. I grew up with my mom in Columbus and my dad in Finley. So, you know, being a Columbus guy, I always leaned that way. It was always, I didn't know anybody growing up in Finley. It's kind of out in the middle of nowhere by the cornfield. So I wasn't really drawn to that that side of the, the state. Yeah, but they have, they have the conference championship um, in, in the cornfield. They right. do. <laughs> Those guys are tough. That's that's for sure. So, Tanner, if you could take us through your journey, and once again, uh, people don't realize the challenges of coaching college football, the, the amount of times you got to move, contacts you've got to make, you know, sometimes the hard decisions like, man, what am I doing? Why am I coaching? You know, when, when your friends are more stable and doing some other things, if you can kind of just take your, your journey from when you left Western to where you're at now. Yeah, I literally have thought about this. This offseason especially, and Joe, you know this from our communication, I could write a book just on this year alone, you know, but before we kind of get into that, my history. So after I graduated from Otterbein, I took a high school job and really the journey started. Uh, I've coached at every level. So it started in Michigan. Well, and that's right. uh, I was Michigan coaching collegiate, right? Yeah, Michigan right. Collegiate. They just made the state championship game this last uh, season. So we started off in a high school called Michigan Collegiate. It was a charter prep academy about 45 minutes north of Detroit. And uh, I was fortunate. We coached two years. I coached two years out there. And uh, the, the head coach started that program from scratch. And um, so I came in there. I was the wide receiver guy, quarterback guy. And then I got that opportunity to go out there with you uh, out to Western Connecticut. And, you know, I'm very proud of what we did there. Started off uh, certainly in a tough situation. Uh, I'm sure you guys are familiar. We had the 
longest losing streak in the country at that time. And, you know, obviously the first year wasn't all peaches and cream. We didn't even have a fall camp, really. We came in and installed the offense. And you told me right from the beginning, hey, this is going to be a very challenging year. You know, that first initial year. Um, and then we kind of just put it together and just recruited and really developed in the weight room. I thought, you know, from all that stuff, as far as team building and to have those two back-to-back years where we made it to that ECAC bowl was special, especially with that group of those guys. I mean, they, we grew that program up. I, I felt, and obviously you've kind of continued that, um, you know, me, I always was looking to move on and, have an opportunity to become a coordinator. So I ended up in West Virginia at Alderson Broadus in Philippi, West Virginia. The, the only, and this is going to be a theme, uh, you know, that place, great little community there. All they had is a gas station and little Moe's restaurant. I was a regular there, you know, one of those deals, but I came in, uh, I was the special teams coordinator there uh, under Denny Crehan. And we went on a, a nice little run there as well. And I got, my theme is I've always kind of came in and got promoted along the way. So started off there as a special teams coordinator. Then the following season, I was, I guess, the offensive pass game coordinator. And then I ended my time there as the offensive coordinator. One of the things that was a little wild about that school and kind of one of the things that, you know, led me on to my next stop was there was some financial problems there and the school was getting ready to shut down. You know, there was a whole scare within the athletic department at the time. And I was supposed to go on the road recruiting that next Monday and go recruit Columbus, Ohio. So it was kind of difficult for me to recruit guys in my backyard to go to a school at the time that I thought was going to close down. So ended up going to Arkansas and I was uh, at Lyon college with, I got a phone call go up there and be the offensive coordinator. And um, my time there was rather short. I ended up going through the recruiting cycle with those guys uh, and spring football as the offensive coordinator, installed the offense, and then I got the phone call to go to Eastern Kentucky. Um, that was kind of my Division One deal there and started off, and that was a great experience. I came in and learned offensive line play. So – they threw me with the offensive line coach. I was the assistant O-line coach. Never one time had I ever worked with the offensive line. So it was actually like the best year for a development standpoint, you know, for the rest of my career type of deal. Coaching quarterbacks and now learning pass protections and starting that whole thing from the ground up, really. Um, I was fortunate at Eastern Kentucky. I, I got promoted to be the assistant quarterback coach and really joe i always i haven't quite told you this but i learned our system that you have at western through the eyes of a quarterback uh adam austin played quarterback at arizona and he was the offensive coordinator there so i worked with him every day and learned our system if you took our western connecticut playbook and our eastern kentucky playbook side by side they're the exact same yep just different words and terminology, but I learned that whole deal through the eyes of a quarterback. Um, and then I got another call to go out to Peru, Nebraska, <laughs> the smallest place I've ever been in my entire life. How that, small is it? <laughs> it's tiny. Um, 
that o- they only had a Casey's gas station, no little Moe's. It was just Casey's, right? Um, and we were real. It was a super unique situation, um, a struggling program. I don't think that they had more than five wins, you know, in the last 15, 20 years. And they were running the triple option offense. So they only threw the ball about three to five times a game. The challenge with that, it, you know, when you start to overhaul that type of situation, those offensive linemen didn't even pass drop. Some of them were seniors and had never taken a pass drop wow. in their whole careers. So, And they mostly recruited triple option guys. So you're talking guys that had never dropped back for a pass their whole career as a high school student or a college athlete. So it was tough. We did win some games there. We ended up going seven and four there. Uh, had a shot to, you know, make some noise in the NAIA playoffs. And, you know, then it kind of came full circle. Finally got the call here after a long, crazy offseason. That could be a whole podcast in and of itself. Um, this offseason, I, you know, it started with the convention and I was kind of looking for another place, as you know, in coaching and, I ended up moving down to West Palm Beach, Florida and getting certified to teach through the Florida High School Association. Okay. My whole thing was uh, as I navigate this coaching career, I always wanted to go as high as I could. Okay. Certainly a goal or a dream to be, you know, at Ohio State. And obviously those opportunities don't come very often. So I felt like, hey, if I'm in this purgatory of small school coaching i might as well go somewhere i really want to be and it was the beach you know it was west palm beach and i get there um i get certified it cleared the background checks all that good stuff and all the cars in the parking lot by the kids were bugattis and porsches and teslas and i was like i don't know if this place is for me um how long did you, was, how long did you last there coach I made it. Th- I was there for two weeks. <laughs> I received a phone call to go interview for the head coaching position at Peru State, and I relocated, getting ready for that interview. I had a couple other things it lined up. Long story short, I was in West Palm Beach, moved to Naples, and I w- went teaching in Naples for two days. And right then and there, I learned. I am not a high school teacher at all. These guys, I could not handle it. I have a lot of respect for those people, um, for the teachers and all that, but that is not for me. So relocated back. And then, of course, our lease ended in Nebraska when I was moving back with my girlfriend. So we moved to Iowa. And it's just been a big transition, and it all came back full circle. Obviously, wait, 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 wait. Back up to Iowa. Is she from Iowa? No, uh, <laughs> it's a very interesting place, <laughs> very similar to Danbury. Okay, Iowa, we the are, state of Iowa. When you go right across the way okay. and you're you pass into New York, it's very similar. So you you guys are how five minutes away from the border? Yeah. You know how long does it get you to New York? It's the same situation. You just it's kind of like you know Cincinnati and Kentucky. You just okay. go over the bridge and we're right there in uh, Iowa. So yeah. I've moved to three different states or four different states now this offseason from Nebraska to Florida to Iowa and now 
Columbus, Ohio. Are you sure you're not in a witness protection program? <laughs> I'm telling you, it's been wild, man. The funniest thing I may have ever heard, you know, Danbury, a lot like Iowa. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah we're, we're known for our <clears throat> cornfields and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but uh, no, but I, I get where you're coming from. It's like you wake up, make a right turn, and you're, you know, you're you're somewhere else. You know? Well, you, you, no, know, you know what's funny about this business is a lot of times, especially out. I'm not. I'm a lot like Tanner. I was at five schools in 12 years when I first started off coaching wise. I was all over the country, and really, you're trying to make as many moves as you can. You're trying to make as many connections as you can, but ultimately, you're just trying to get your feet underneath you and, and find a place where you think you can be there for a while. That's why I'm excited. Tanner's at Ohio Dominican. Which is right down the road from Otterbein, where we, you know I, I coached and he played, and I lived right down there. It's a great area to live. I think they've had one losing year in the last fifteen years. I mean, he's going to win a bunch of games there. It's. I just feel you know obviously I, I always uh, look out for Tanner a little bit, follow him, and uh, I'm excited that he's in a place where his feet are underneath him. And yeah. the best thing is there's a chain of Moe's diners. So, <laughs> yeah. so, whoo, exactly, yeah. And, that's that's the biggest advantage for me is just the location. You know, everywhere you've I've ever been, you know, from now Westcon is definitely different in the fact that you have New York right there. I haven't even been in a place like that where I'm talking these teeny tiny little country places that are great, sure, but it's not the city and the, what draws the recruits from a national. You know, standpoint. Yeah, that's where I've been lucky. I've never coached in a place that hasn't been at least suburban. This is as country as I've been, Danbury. And, uh, oh, yes. And uh, let me tell you something. Maybe about 40 years ago, this was country. <laughs> yeah. You know, you would drive 10 minutes to New Milford and literally see cows. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and big farm fields and all that stuff. It's, it's, we don't try and keep that hush hush. Yeah. When, when discussing Dan. <laughs> Danbury these days. I would, yeah, and I, I think the most exciting thing for me, inserting myself here, like Coach said, they're already established here. You know, I don't have to recreate anything. And most of the time, what we have said as we navigate through this whole coaching ordeal is we've been program flippers. That's what, you know, Coach did it at Otterbein and we kind of started that program in Michigan Collegiate. And like I said, they just made it to the state championship at Western. We we overtook a program that um, wasn't quite what they used to be and kind of brought it back. And West Virginia, Alderson brought us. We started that school from scratch. And uh, now they're, you know, in a great conference. And Lyon College, the same thing. Obviously, Eastern Kentucky was a little bit different. You know, that's a whole different deal in itself. And then Peru State College kind of overtook a struggling program and you know squeeze seven wins there here it's totally different they just won seven seven games so here they already have an established you know an established program just trying to elevate it hey, if t- i can tanner let's talk a little bit about eastern kentucky and that's kind yep. of the uh craziness of this profession a little bit talk about your what happened the last year at eastern kentucky yeah so that that was a wild deal you know, get going into Eastern Kentucky, okay, there's high expectations. I mean, crazy high expectations, and rightfully so. They were in four national championships. Um, so there's a lot of pressure there to win. And 
we went back to back seven, you know, we won seven games each season I was there. And, you know, it's unfortunate. It's part of the profession that there's some teams that win seven games and celebrate. And then there's other teams that win seven games and get let go. So that's kind of the process that happened there. And, you know, like I said, I believe they won seven games last year and everybody's high-fiving, you know, and giving each other hugs in the locker room. We won seven games and we all had to find a, a new job. So that's ultimately the reality of it. I will always remember that and think about that moving forward, just how, you know, vulnerable we are in our profession. You but know, when, you looking, admit- when, when looking for other gigs, though, uh, having seven seven wins back-to-back seasons on your resume is a lot better than looking for gigs and, <clears throat> you know, we had seven losses you no know, back-to-back and seasons. I just look at that staff that Coach Elder put together, and it's incredible where some of those guys are. You know, the defensive coordinator's out. He's the defensive coordinator at San Diego State, and obviously they're winning a ton of games. The offensive line coach there was is now the offensive line coach at Stanford. The tight end coach is now the tight end coach for the Raiders. The other tight end coach we brought in is now the offensive coordinator at Youngstown State. So all those guys, you know, it was an unfortunate that we got they got let go type of deal, but they all went on to bigger and better places as far as, you know, a fit and all that that good stuff. So it was really a crazy a, a crazy thing. And, you know, he, Coach Elder, uh, was bringing in the number one recruiting class in the conference, too. So it was a lot of questionable, you know, why why that whole thing happened. I think if we would have got one more year, could have squeezed in an a opportunity to win the conference. So, Hey, here's a, here's a question for you. Your first year at Otterby, just transferred yep. in from Ohio Northern. Yep. What did you learn the most you know, I know you've told this story before, but what did you have to do that whole season and what did you get out of it? <laughs> yeah. So I transferred in from Ohio Northern into Otterbein and <laughs> I had to film. I had to sit out and I was film the filmer every day, every practice. And I actually was really good at it. I always <laughs> joked that I was the conference filmer of the year. So it's kind of taken that as long, uh, you know, well with me throughout my journey as well. So, and what'd you get out? Of, what'd you get out of filming all, all year? Well, I didn't get anything as far as money goes, but I got <laughs> a lot of experience and just learning the, you know, learning the game and being around. You you sit up there in that tower. First off, it gets a little sketchy because of the <laughs> wind blowing and all that. Coach would send me up in a tower, forty feet in the sky, and the things swaying back and forth in the wind so that was a little sketchy but you learn a lot from the game when you uh get that eagle eye on it every day you know it's a shame though that those the those audio visual skills didn't translate to today when we were, <laughs> know, set, right? when we were setting up the podcast <laughs> on that quick note we're just going to take a quick break and return with tanner mccormick find out how this uh, former westcon assistant has traveled the road and obviously where he is now what he's looking forward to. Still with the baby face, though, Tan. Look at that. You know, How could anybody my, not hire that face? My birthday was last week, right? And uh, I turned 36. Did and you really? I asked, Are you serious? I asked my players 
out on the field, how old do you think I am? And they said 25. I was like, <laughs> wow, I'll take it. You know, what's, you know what's funny about coaching is is like when you coach guys and or even when you're a young coach, kind of that age freezes in time in my mind. Like I still see Tanner as a mid twenties, you know, late twenties right. guy. And this is coming. Just, this is all coming from the bronze god, by the way. I just got back from the beach. I now. know. Coach yeah. does not age, man. <laughs> does not age. No, I'm, I'm serious. He has he has a picture in a closet where he's really 150 years old. He's made no some question. kind of deal, you know. That's out there. Let's take a break. We'll come back with Tanner McCormick, Westcon Football Podcast. Don't go away. Folks, today's podcast sponsored by Vision Designs. Vision Designs, a full-service screen printing, embroidery, signage, and promotional company offering their services to the Tri-State and New England regions. Since 2003, they've had the reputation as an industry leader in all their fields of operations. Vision Designs, proud sponsor of Westcon Football and the entire program, my friends. You can contact them through their website, visiondesignsct.com visiondesignsct.com or you can call their main number 203-778-9898 203-778-9898 Welcome back everybody to the Westcon Football Podcast Tanner McCormick is with us former Westcon assistant and former college player under Coach Loth at Otterbein, and OSCON football assistant. Just a lot of traveling along the way that he has, has done to some of the most interesting places on the map, but now firmly entrenched Ohio Dominican. And uh, talk a little bit about going in, getting your, your feet wet there, because, again, it's a new, it's another new situation for you, but at the same time, uh, it's it's a school that has tradition, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, in a conference where eh, there's some real nifty rivalries. Definitely, I one of the things that pops out to me right off the bat is our roster. It is ninety nine percent Ohio, and I like it. I love it. It you start to think about all those memories you know, me growing up here and just some of the schools and powerhouses when I was playing as a high school kid. And now all of a sudden you start to look at our roster and just filtered with Columbus guys um, in the OCC and, you know, which is a predominant conference here in Columbus and Cincinnati kids and up north where coach played in Cleveland. So, I mean, there's, that's the beauty of this place is now I'm it's just coming full circle like I said I I live in my backyard now and now I'm starting to look at it in recruiting all the kids that you know went to rival high schools and such hey hey, Tanner let's talk about Westcon football a little bit let's talk about the receivers you coached here now what do you what do you remember about the receivers you coached here who'd you who'd you really like coaching yeah so one of the things too Yeah, as we get into this, one thing I would say is I've been at every level now. I've been at high school, Division three, Division one, Division two, NAIA. And I'm telling you, there are some players that we have had in the past that I still say you'd have to compare them to a West kid. I mean, just looking at our offense, I still say Octavius is the best running back I have seen. 
at all levels I've been to. And then when you start to think about some of those wide receivers that I coached there with Falaguera and I loved Alex Altermat and certainly Plaza. And there's been just so many guys, you know, that have came in, but those, those guys specifically, I came in and, you know, Falaguera was a true freshman and Altermat was a little running back that we had no idea remember, was going to be. Remember, at, remember he, he filmed the first four weeks he was here. Do you remember that? He came in with that sling. We had no idea if he could even play. Yep, I know. And just thinking about some of the question marks we had about some of those guys. Hey, can Falaguera really play X? You know, can uh, Alex Altermat play slot after being a running back his whole life? And then when you kind of fast forward three years later, once those guys' careers end, you realize how special they were in the development they, they experienced at their time there. And then, you know, like I think about Will Arndt, man. And not only am I close with Will, and I'm glad he got into coaching, but he's as good of a quarterback as I've been around at any level. So I thought we had some really special talent there. And I even think me and you have talked about some of the guys we had even on defense. So it's just we had a lot of talent. Um, I think that sometimes it gets misconstrued how good they are, just maybe based on the level, hey, you know, this is Division Three football. I'm telling you, some of those guys would have contributed at Eastern Kentucky. I really, truly believe it. Like Octavius and some of, you know, Falaguera would have fit somewhere in there. He was, he was just a really good player. How many of those guys you, you keep in contact with? You keep... uh, most of them. You know, it's, I, I do speak with Will. I do speak with Alter Matt every <laughs> once in a while. Um, just checking in on them, making sure they're good. And I think that that kind of tells you, I'll be honest with you, I keep in contact mo- mostly with the West Con guys as opposed to most of the other stops I've been. You know what was unique about when Tanner, when we when we took over, I always say we more than me, because me and Tanner, a guy named Eric Yates was a running back coach, and Coach Drew Owens, who was our offensive coordinator, all came from Otterbein. So we had a unique situation where we were pretty successful at Otterbein, and we could kind of hit the ground running, you know, especially on the offensive side. We're all on the offensive side of the ball. And that made it really unique in us kind of getting things started on the right direction, I think. You, you guys having spent that much time or even growing up in Ohio, what, what is it about Ohio that uh, has bred this incredible, and I want to say love, but, but passion? Well, you know what's funny? For football. You know what's funny in Ohio? Literally, you learn O-H-I-O when you're in kindergarten. I mean, it's <laughs> – I would hear the difference between the state of Connecticut and the state of Ohio, and it has nothing – I mean, it's just kind of what, what the sports – like, if you ask the average secretary in Connecticut, who's the best women's basketball player on the team right now, they're going to say Paige Beckers because they're going to watch UConn women's basketball. The whole state does. Right. If you ask anybody in the state of Ohio who's the starting quarterback for Ohio State right now, everyone's going to name them. If you ask everybody in the state of Connecticut who's the starting quarterback for UConn, how many people are going to name that guy? Yeah, so they'll say, hey, "Let me get back to you." Yeah, on that. it's just kind of a just kind of what the focus is on the state. And, you know, it's, and it's and it's not that I need to understand. I've traveled to these places. I mean, my God, go to you know, go to go to Texas, where if you talk disparagingly about <laughs> football. Oh yeah, you know 
you may find yourself in the trunk of a car and wake up in a country that you have no idea. Yeah, they say there's two sports in Texas. There's fall football and spring football. And spring football. And you know, and but Ohio has that that incredible pant despite all the professional sports, despite success in other collegiate sports. Uh it's I mean, uh, and having known friends who have moved there, even those who have moved to Cincinnati. Yeah. You know, and and it's like uh, if you're not if you're not talking football, you might as well just leave the room, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I think a couple of things that come to mind, too. You know, we have the Pro Football Hall of Fame here, and just that whole tradition. There's been a, so many coaches coming from Ohio, too, you know, that went on to major college football and pro football. But one thing specifically, as I have kind of navigated around the country you know, recruiting different areas. I, I've always said this, like the six foot five kid in Connecticut, he might be, he's going to play basketball and he's going to be a six foot four, six foot five, you know, power forward or a center on the basketball team. But that six foot four, six foot five kid's going to play uh, football in Ohio. And he's going to be that offensive or defensive lineman. It just seems to me that's what I saw. I went and recruited some school, some high schools there in Connecticut. When you're recruiting, and obviously a football player plays on the basketball team, you go and watch them, and you go, you know, watch and scout their basketball game. And I go there, and I'm like, where are all these guys on the football field, man? There's a bunch of six two, six three, six four, six five guys that are filtered in the basketball you know, at those high school basketball games. And some of those guys aren't playing football. Whereas I would say what I see in Ohio is that six, four, six, three, six, five kid, they are playing both football and basketball. That's kind of how I thought. And I'd also say in Ohio, there's, there still exists the multi-sport kid without a question who will play more than just one sport, Connecticut. Everybody's become very specialized. And as a result, We've seen the consolidation of many high school football programs where high schools are literally sharing teams because kids have become so specialized. That's not really the case. It's more encouraged to participate in some other sports, cross-training almost, if you will, uh, in states like Ohio. And I think the other thing I see uh, football-wise is Definitely. just that Friday night atmosphere in Ohio high school. Like, there's no Saturday afternoon games. It's all Friday night. It's the pep rally before. It's just kind of the culture of the state is just more focused around high school football to college, to pros, than, than most states. And I think Connecticut's got really good high school football. I really do. But just kind of more the culture around football in Connecticut's different than Ohio. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and and like I said, they, they, that's why they – they, we have more consolidated teams, but we keep expanding the fields here in Connecticut for, for postseason yeah. to, to encourage participation when the real way to encourage participation is to educate kids a little bit more about, about football. We're all, everybody's afraid about getting hurt here in the <laughs> yeah. state of Connecticut. You know, you're going to get hurt playing any sport. You know, it's, it's just it's the way of the, the universe – People don't even want to let their kids fall off a bike anymore, you know? Uh, you know, 
one thing I thought was super cool and unique about Connecticut, though, was the whole Thanksgiving Bowl yeah, thing. Yeah, I agree with that. That is something unique I have not seen or experienced in any other state. Um, I, I what what all of does that entail? Do you guys know? Just it's tradition. They've done it forever. That. Yeah, there was st- and there are still schools that have the tradition. Unfortunately, because of qualifying for yeah. for the state, uh, things have gotten a little rearranged over the years. Yeah. So, for instance. A uh, thousand years ago, uh, you'll remember a guy, uh, Bobby Valentine, used to manage the Mets. Yep. Um, and, and Bobby Valentine was an outstanding multi-sport athlete in the state of Connecticut. So Danbury had this like Turkey Day rivalry, Danbury High, with Norwalk. Well, that got changed over the years because of this, that, and the other thing. And so now either around Thanksgiving generally, yeah. uh, as opposed to almost on Thanksgiving, Danbury now plays Ridgefield, which you may say it's it's closer, but you know it used to be it, it, Danbury Norwalk, yeah. and and I didn't know that, and that went that went by the the wayside. There are still some matchups, but now it could be the night before. Right, very few yeah, are occurring on Thanksgiving really, Day. Hey, I, hey. I always thought that was really unique, and I've not really heard any other state I've been to kind of do that at the yeah. high school level. Well, I think and, it's and awesome. Because back in the day you had your, your your conference schedule and literally your your conference and your season, regular season, literally ended yeah. that that weekend before up to Thanksgiving and then boom, it was time for the uh, the state or if your conference had a conference playoff game uh, to decide the, the championship, but boom, you went right into the states now with expanded fields, and we've got to take a week off, and we got to yeah. do this, and la 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 la. <laughs> they've changed the universe. So what they've done to help out the kids, Coach Mac, to help out the kids, is to make seasons longer, <laughs> oh, yeah. and almost preclude kids from being multi-sport. Yeah. Athletes, because you've now extended a season into another yeah. season, we we need to have some advisors from Ohio come and talk to these people <laughs> here. We do. Just saying. Yeah. Hey, hey, Tanner. Here's a question for you. Yeah. So, looking back at Westcon again, what what would you say a couple of uh, your biggest wins? I guess here when you were here, a couple of the biggest wins we had that you kind of look back on. I mean. Looking back on it, I thought the biggest one for me was that Salve Regina game. You know, just thinking about it, obviously, there I don't know if there's a lot of history between those two schools, but just where we were, man. Yeah. Like, we, from the kind of coming out of the shadows of losing a little bit there, and that season just culminating in us winning the ECAC bowl game. Like, I, I felt good about that. You know, I felt like hey, this is a big-time deal, what we just did with this group. And, you know, hey, we're going to come back for next year and do it again type of thing. So I always thought that 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 was a big one. Um, You know, and then that very first year. Montclair game, right? Some nail biters and just the emotions of trying to squeeze out one victory. You know, that was really the goal between – 
us as coaches was we understood the assignment, how difficult it was going to be in that transition year, but we were fighting, scratching and clawing for that one victory. And when it happened, that was awesome. You know, just the, all the guys were crying and, you know, and again, I don't get too caught up in it just because I don't quite know, you know, here's me, this Ohio guy and I'm in Western Connecticut, you know, it's just part of that journey. But to see all those people's faces and alumni that were crying after that victory, it's a special thing. I'll never so, forget so, that Montclair game. Never. Like it's probably the most emotionally involved game that I wasn't really emotionally involved in because I was not really involved in the 20 plus game losing streak, but all these guys that, that were juniors and seniors were freaking, I'd never seen anything like it after the game ended. Like the, from the crowd, from the administrators, from the players, it was, it was crazy emotional. And with all due, due respect, Montclair, um, great program, with all due right. respect, but also uh, a program that was easy for many opponents to dislike. And, yeah. <laughs> and we beat right. them in overtime, too. Yes, yes overtime. So, you know, really, that's, uh, that's what made it even, even sweeter. It wasn't just anybody. It was Montclair. What, what, about, what about our tough, toughest loss we had when you were here? I mean, by far and away, there was uh, our first year against Rowan to me. Um, my buddy Pat played. I actually He played. He was the linebacker as obviously I was the coach. And now moving forward, Pat's the defensive coordinator at Susquehanna. So that actually comes up all the time, okay? And we kicked that onside kick and recovered it, and they gave us a penalty yeah. uh, just uh, – and we were we were not offsides. This was we, we we I think we were down seven with thirty five twenty eight scored got the onside kick with a minute left and then they, they we were not offsides on that. Oh, we no. Look historically, hey, Coach Mack, you you know for your time here alone, and Coach for your time here, we can go back historically and look at the film and the videotape, and I can count on less than two hands. The amount of times Westcon got the call, and you know, that's what I'm saying, man. You know, especially that was our last year in the end, Jack. Right? We weren't getting anything. It, yeah. it was like we are glad to see you guys go, get out of here. You know, that type of thing. Each and every week, I felt like we were uh, we had another opponent besides that those guys. You know, oh, they might as well have held up uh, held up. You know, a sign that said uh, uh, goodbye and don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. You know, it, it, you know it, it, was, it wasn't a really good farewell tour, but if you get a sweet moment out of it and something to build on, and that's really what it's, what it's all about. And both you guys have been builders. Wherever you have been, you've been master builders, albeit Tanner, you were more of an apprentice during your time. Uh, with you, you have you become board certified. You have all the you have all the stuff on the wall now. You are officially a master builder. Well, I appreciate that. Now, Tanner, <laughs> Tanner, you've been over to the alma mater at all since you've been in town. Not yet. I've only been here a week, you okay. know, and they are right down the street. So I definitely need to get over there, but. Yeah, it's been a, you know, how that whole thing goes. I, I got inserted here and 
you know, just trying to get everything organized as far as the processes of the offense and getting that whole thing installed with the coaching staff. So, do, do you have your install ready and everything? It's ready. You know, obviously, I'm going to implement the wristband deal that yep. you guys are doing there. And like you said, I reached out to you, what, two day, three days ago, asking where you're getting these wristbands. It looks like they're getting sold out everywhere. <laughs> yeah, no question. So, just implementing the processes. Explain a little bit about the wristband for folks out there who may not know. Uh, times have changed. And things advance, and a little bit about the wristbands. Yeah, we know offensively we use kind of a unique system. Not really that a lot of people use them, but we'll have on offense, we can call our offense in a variety of ways. We could literally signal in a call like Bravo 2. A kid will look at his wristband. It'll tell the quarterback to play. It'll tell the receiver where to line up, how to line up, what his play is. Or we could signal in a formation in a play. Or we can signal in one word. There's just a whole different, a whole different ways of getting offensive plays in, and we use a very uh, detailed wristband that's almost like an NFL system. It really tells everyone specifically where to line up, you know, specific alignment and specific assignment on the wristband. And so it makes it a little more difficult for somebody to uh, play sneaky Pete and try and 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 uh, steal signals. Well, you know what it is. It allows you to be a much more uh, assignment consistent with a wristband like there's no gray area like kid memorizing on this play I got this or this it is very specific and we we have a young team we're very wristband heavy and then as we get older we're, we kind of get off the wristband a little bit and and kind of go back and forth a little bit so it's very much a teaching tool as much as anything good this is good to know so it, what do you what do you it, from only being on hand for a little bit of time I know you've done your your research uh what are you liking most, or what are you, what what can't you wait to see with this team? Well, yeah, the very talented team. Uh, first day I was here, I just poured into the spring, you know, the spring f- football video and just analyzed and really just deciphered what they were doing, what I thought they were good at, what they needed to work on a little bit, and just the overall roster. I been very impressed um just as far as the skill players here um like i said kind of along the journey along the way sometimes we get there as an example in peru they were all triple option offense of you know offensive line wise so here they're i'm just seeing a bunch of developed guys and i just need to try to elevate the whole the group as a whole you know the pieces were already there even at westcon when we came in no offense to any of those guys, but we had to develop them. You know, there, there was a significant amount of development that went in from a weight room standpoint and speed standpoint and just offensive fundamentals and techniques. But here it's already developed. I just need to insert myself. And hopefully, like I said, I can provide some, you know, leadership and elevate the group as a whole, but all the pieces are here. So that's what I'm most excited for is that, these guys are established. I, I, we want to point out again, uh, Coach Mack is referring to Peru, Nebraska. Uh, he did not coach in South America. We know you've traveled <laughs> all over. But we, we, we just we want to make that clear for anybody who's joined the podcast late that you were not coaching football in South America. It was Nebraska. How I, I'm going to have to, after the podcast, we're going to have to Google and find out how – a, a, a town 
in Nebraska got named Peru. Peru. Um, I'm with you. (laughs) (laughs) So we, if we're looking, if we're looking ahead, and we, you've made these travels. Now you're settled settled in here. Is there an an ultimate goal for you? You mentioned some of your compadres from from. uh, Eastern Kentucky or, or uh, you know, at various places, but uh, do you have a vision for you as a coach? Yeah, that's a great question. I think this is the first move I've ever navigated with somebody else in mind, okay? I was always by myself in these decisions and on this journey. I've been alone. Now I have a pretty serious relationship, so my whole goal is to get her here. She's going to Join me here in December, January-ish is the target. And I'm honestly, Coach Law said it. Like, he's happy for me because he knows. Like, I'm finally at a place I want to be, and I plan on being here for a long time. So that's my just immediate thought is I want to be here and just keep learning and growing as a coach, but just kind of establish a little bit. You know, I think the long-term goal – you know, I don't know if my girlfriend's going to be listening to this, but hopefully we settle down and eventually, you know, start that whole process of <laughs> all that other stuff, right, with her. <laughs> I need to pump the brakes because we're getting on our two-year anniversary in a couple of months, and she's going to be thinking other things. Now, you know? where'd, where'd, like, you, where'd you guys meet? We met – she's a Nebraska girl, right? <laughs> so I was in the middle of the cornfields and – Luckily, she lived in Omaha, so I was driving an hour to go see her. From she lived an hour away from the school, so met her, and um, we've been going strong for almost two years now. Okay, but okay, two years, and you never asked her how there came to be a Peru, Nebraska. <laughs> I'm with you. She, <laughs> and this kind of tells you she lived an hour away and had never been to the school. You know. Never been there before. Okay. Um, the, 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 trust me, there always should be new elements, you know, spicing up a, oh, a, yeah. a, a relationship. I also heard you're, uh, you're a hockey fan, so that's good, right? Yeah. Yeah, I showed, I showed him your, uh, your temporary digs you're staying in. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty nice. I'm, you know, fortunate. My One of my best friends, you know, Owns the Columbus Blue Jackets, so that's the nice Hello. situation. Well, he, there you go. So if Coach and I come out at some point in time, he could sneak us into a game. You just got uh, just got Gaudreau there. Uh, I know. P. Ooh, ooh. That's, time. Every, that's all people talk about here. Um, you know, I, I was going to hit, like, just being in Columbus, there's no pro team, right? So, I mean, as far as football goes, you have – Cleveland, two hours north. Cincinnati, two hours south. You have Pittsburgh, three hours east. And then you have Indy, three hours west, right? So we're in this bubble that is squarely, you know, everything revolves around the Buckeyes. And I even say you could be going to Cincinnati and they're still Buckeye fans. You could go to Bowling Green State University and they're still Buckeye fans. It's just wild the way that works so with us we only have two pro teams it's um the columbus crew soccer and it's the columbus blue jackets so people are just crazy for it here and it's been awesome they 
just signed, you know, apparently the biggest free agent. I haven't followed it very closely, but everybody's fired up about it. Okay, well, when Coach and I come out and you sneak us some tickets, um, you know, we'll we'll educate you on all these guys. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. so, Bart, it's 2008. Otterbein makes the NCAA playoffs for the first time in school history. And we drew well that year. Like, every home game was packed. Our Mount Union game was crazy. And uh, so week, so it's week 11, first round of the playoffs. We have a home playoff game, and we draw the smallest crowd maybe in the history I've ever coached in for the first playoff game ever at Otterbein history. We kicked off on at Saturday at 12 o'clock, the same time Ohio State-Michigan kicked off in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> I mean, there was nobody at our playoff game. I think our school president was over at the Buckeyes game. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, that'll, that'll tell you about the uh, the fandom and the fervor uh, th- that goes on there. Hey, look, it's this is a, a great situation that you're in now. And really, not just a very good coach, but one of the, the nicest guys. You know, a lot of guys who have been to all these multiple stops, they could be a little grizzled. They could be <laughs> a little disenchanted. They could be, you know, you've still got that great attitude and we know you still have the great attitude because what, what did the players say? They took him for a 25-year-old and he's in your – now, now, Coach has been a little disenchanted a couple times over the years now. Well, yes, but <laughs> – I wouldn't say it's all – No, but you're, you're able to bounce back, overcome, move on, you know, which uh, a lot of people can't do. And, and so you've done that. It's, it's got to be in the DNA – that you can indeed do that. And, you know, I got to think that's what programs such as Ohio Dominican recognize. You know, we got a guy, we got a guy here who knows how to get it done and will work to get it done and, and is going to have the kind of attitude that we need to show today's athlete. Yep, you're, you're going to work and here's what can happen if you do and put in the uh, the work, and uh, you know, I don't trust me. I don't envy you because knowing Coach Loth, knowing all the coaches I have known, uh, especially in football, uh, man, you know, uh, you may get time every once in a while for that quick tan or to go to Moe's <laughs> Diner, uh, but you uh, but you know, pretty much it's twenty four seven stuff. You know, you're a chief cook and bottle washer when you when you take on, especially being a coordinator or a head coach. Definitely. And that's kind of where I'm at now. This is the fourth offensive coordinator position I've held. This will be the fourth time I install an offense with a, a brand new team. And I feel like I finally have ironed out all those wrinkles, you know what I mean? And just taking one step at a time. I feel really good. This is the best talent I've ever kind of had coming into a place too. So just really excited about it. And you got nifty shirts. I just want to say, okay, I'm like, I'm digging the, I'm digging the little Panther claw, you know, logo that you've, that you got cooking there. That's, it's a nice look, right? Coach Loth. It definitely is. I think you just got cut, cut off though. He got frozen there, right? Sorry about that. That's right. I got the phone call. Someone called my phone and it disconnected. Yeah. Are you sure you ever filmed games? <laughs> Back in the I'll tell you. 
back in the day. A quick phone call anyway, just knocked everything out. Now, I, be, before we before we wrap up, I it was just I was commenting on the on the the look the the logo there because now uh, I'm sure you know by now. There you go. There's the the little panther D with the claws. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you know by now. Uh, the well, what once were the Colonials are now the Wolves. Did you know that? You know we switched. I did know that. I, I, interesting. There, what was the name of that guy? What the what? current? The, oh, Chucky. Chucky. Oh my <laughs> gosh, Chucky. <laughs> oh, what a guy. <laughs> I remember. I like so. Our first year, Chucky, whoever was in that outfit, was really overboard sometimes. And I, we used to laugh, me and the other assistants, because Chucky would always try to get next to Coach Loth. And I could just tell he was always like, get Chucky away from me. <laughs> uh, well, so, I mean, you guys have went to the burnt orange yep. of um, Texas, correct? Yeah, kind of. We're like orange and blue, kind of like auburnish look. Okay. When and so now Chucky's gone, and we're bringing in a wolf. Yeah. Same. Nothing else is changing as far as I mean. Are you gonna throw the logo on anything, or is it gonna be pretty traditional? Well, they haven't really created an actual wolf logo yet, so we don't know. We got the new W a couple years ago. We got uh, Chucky in the middle of the football field right now, though, I know. Like a 30-foot Chucky still in the middle of the football field. Yeah, they're going to have to cut him out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah or put, that, put a Teen Wolf costume on him or something. <laughs> <laughs> but at the at the same time, we're angling to have a wolf preserve, like adjacent to the field, where right where the opposition enters. <laughs> yeah. Live they wolves. Get, they get mauled by a live wolf. <laughs> You know, and, and and when they're coming out, we, you know, it'll look cool. We're spraying them with a mist. Of course, they don't know that the mist is really like uh, a beef and uh, and turkey mixture. Oh my God. Just working yeah. on some things here, Coach. Yeah, you know, trying to do it, trying to think the Ohio way. You know, here to to get some there stuff done. <laughs> well, I I can't thank you enough for taking some time out. I mean, this is the man's in his first. His first week, and here we are saying, give us your, come on, give us your time. So we can't thank you enough for being with us. Yeah, I appreciate you coming no, on, Tanner. appreciate you guys, too. Thank you, guys. Well, good luck in the conference. We know you're going to get it done because you've gotten it done um, everywhere else. You know, seven wins, eh, nothing to sniff at, so uh, poo-poo who do you guys? to the people who might put that down. I, I, but, of course, we wish you even more than that in the new gig. Yeah, who do you guys open up with, Tanner? Finley. Oh, conference Finley. champs. How ironic. Yeah, how <laughs> ironic, right? The defending regular season conference champions. Yep. Well, you, you've, you've got much to prepare for, so we're sorry we delayed you, Coach. Hey, I appreciate your guys' time. Yeah, good talking to you, Tanner. We'll Thank talk. you. Absolutely. Good talking to you guys. Thanks. Okay. Yep. Welcome back, everybody, Westcon Football Podcast. And we are ready for uh, kicking in on some conference play. And the conference doth recognize Coach Loth, the Wolves, after last week's performance against Albright, right? 
Yeah, probably. I'm sure they said they probably were scratching their head week one. How good is Western going to be this year and stuff like that? And then I think after getting a good win against Albright, uh, they're probably like, okay, I think Western's got a chance to be pretty good this year. So it's what happens with non-conference games. You kind of look at how your opponents play and how they competed in their games, and you kind of make a snap judgment on kind of how you think they're going to be this year. So guys get honors from the MASCAC, right? Oh, yeah. We had our quarterback, John Giller, had a really – complete game uh, was mascac player of the week offensively uh threw for 250 yards on 24 attempts uh, rushed for over 50 yards nosa usamir had like 11 tackles a defensive player of the week in the conference so once again i thought week one we struggled uh but build off of it uh week two we were better i don't know if we, we were definitely not great in any way so uh, just definitely something to build off of. we're going to continue to get better as the season goes you have westfield coming up in a Friday night affair, and again, it's a bit of a puzzlement because they have a tight game, game one of their non-conference season. Uh, some great difficulties, Coach Loth, then, in game number two for them. So, you know, while you can basically assess you've got enough history, let's say, with that program, uh, at the same time, you, you're sitting back shaking your head because, uh, you know, on if you'll just look at the Owls on paper, uh, they are going through a really rough time in this early part of the season. I'll tell you what, the first thing we noticed with Westfield, though, is they'll have the best quarterback we faced so far this year. Like, they played two, but both of them are better than either of the quarterbacks we faced week one or two. So we know they're going to provide us a challenge defensively with the forward pass, even though statistically they haven't been great, but they're pretty good throwing the ball, and they got a really outstanding running back. Defensively, their head coach has been coaching there probably 30 years at Westfield. He's a really sound defensive coach. They do what they do on defense, but they're extremely well coached. And uh, they'll definitely have a WestCon uh, plan for us offensively and defensively. Well, and it's their joint. Let's put it that way. So uh, whatever problems they, they may be having, because I, I think uh, giving up over 450 yards per game average over these these first two games, it's still you're going to their joint, the, the road wolves. <laughs> Will con- yeah. will continue their travels. Not not only that, but you know, they choose when they want to schedule. So they schedule us Friday night on purpose to give us one day, less day to prepare stuff. So, so there's some uh, thought process in their schedule. We understand that that they're kind of you know, I don't know if they're calling us out or whatever you want to call, it, but it's a Friday night game and they're trying to circle this game a little bit. You mentioned about getting some more people into the mix, and you didn't necessarily have that full opportunity. Uh, against Albright in game number two. Is that the, the game plan going forward, getting some more people uh, in the mix and and continue to improve upon the depth that you and your guys recruited? Yeah, without a doubt. You know, probably the most frustrating thing in the game uh, as far as getting people involved is, like I so said, we're up 28 nothing, going to halftime. Know that if we get, score, get one or two more scores, we are – I don't want to say emptying the bench, but we're starting to go down the roster and get guys uh, reps and trying to keep guys healthy and trying to really, uh, you know, get a guys get guys a lot of work. And we were not able to do that because we gave a couple touchdowns and didn't score another one. So yeah, definitely, uh, we would have loved to play more people against Albright, uh, having taken such a big league. That's that's part of the trying to develop guys through the season. And if you get an opportunity to get up on some people, you you, you really have a chance to develop guys and give guys opportunities to to see how good they are sometimes too. 
Yep. Well, it's it's going to be a Friday night affair, and then whew, finally, you guys get to relax, have a little home cooking uh, with homecoming week the following week, uh, part of Hall of Fame weekend here at Western Connecticut State University. So that'll be a good thing. You 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 get to put on the comfy shoes, Coach. Yeah, we, you know we're you know not even looking ahead that far to be honest. We, we know Westfield is going to be a big challenge, so we we know we'll have some home games in the future. I know we have one a week, week from uh, Saturday, but really, truly not looking ahead. We're definitely a program that never looks to film early. We are focused on Westfield. It's truly one game at a time. So, so yeah, I know there's a home game down in the future for us, but we are not concerned about that right now. Doesn't even know the exact date. Trust me, he doesn't. <laughs> uh, we we do indeed want to mention, don't forget, anytime, make sure you go to the Wisconsin Athletics site, click on football. You can always catch the game. If your keister can't be in the seats, whether it's home or away, you can always follow these wolves. And uh, we'll be with you with the entire crew, the entire crew uh, once homecoming week kicks in and for all the home games but every single game you can catch this team bottom line and we want to make sure that we thank coach Mack for being with us the man from Peru <laughs> yeah yeah coach Mack like I said one of my favorite people in the world uh, excited you know it's exciting to as a head coach uh, coach a guy then he becomes part of your coaching staff and then you see him you know then you kind of you kind of let him go, and then he kind of grows as a coach and moves to a bunch of different places. And and it's it's very rewarding to see guys that you've coached and, and coached with you move up and on in, in this profession. Well, it's been a, a trademark of Coach Loth's staffs to have guys uh, go on and continue their careers if they wish to do so. And to be successful at it, well, that's just the, the extra bonus right there. Coach, I'm going to let you get to work. It's another, it's a big week, conference stuff kicking in. And I know you and the staff and the kids are chomping at the bit because you want to come back with another W. Yeah, no question. Short week. We have one last, one, one last day to prepare. So it's it's even more, a little more crazy around here trying to make sure that we're getting the T's crossed and the I's dotted uh, in games like this in these short work weeks. For Coach Loth. Pooch behind the glass. Bart Bastern is saying thank you for being with us. Hope you'll join us each and every time out. Look for us everywhere. We're on every platform <laughs> in the universe. Pooch has made sure of the platforms they haven't even invented yet. We're there. So we thank you for being with us. Have yourself a great one. This has been the Westcon Football Podcast. The Westcon Football Podcast is a production of WCSU Media, engineered by Peter Puccio and produced by Scott Volpe. Listen and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us find new listeners. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at WCSU Podcasts, and feel free to reach out to us by email at podcasts at wcsu.edu. Thanks for listening.